Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. Today we are beginning uh, just a, a standalone message about water baptism, but we're going to start in the early church in the book of Acts. This is Pentecost season, the 50 days between Passover festival and Pentecost festival. We are in that right now. And if you know anything about Pentecostal charismatic theology, we love the book of Acts. It is the church coming alive. It is the birthplace of the first church. They weren't perfect, but they were Pentecostal. Come on, somebody. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends on the upper room and people begin to to proclaim boldly the goodness of God in other tongues and many people are saved because of it. And as a matter of fact, where we're going to be at today in Acts chapter 8, because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, persecution ensues. Persecution is actually characteristic of the early church. And so if you're going through something today, just know it's because the Holy Spirit is upon you and he has anointed you to preach the good news and to break chains and the devil is agitated when your spirit gets irritated. And uh, in Acts chapter eight, if you have a copy of God's word, we're going to look at how God squeezes glory out of persecution. The church is being persecuted. They've scattered. Uh, Stephen has been stoned. And I don't mean uh, California stoned or Colorado stoned. I mean the rocks have been thrown at him. Some of you will get that later. There's no high like the most high. Uh, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. They're like, Stephen gets stoned in the Bible? That's awesome, dude. I like this. I like this church, man. This is a church I can get with, man. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. I love you so much. It's so fun to preach at this house. It is a, is a privilege to open God's word today. Are you ready for God's word? Oh, man. There's a, my, my real estate broker's in here, and I know she's a very serious person, and so she's probably like, didn't like that, that weed joke. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Beginning in verse 26. Love you so much. Karen, glad you're here. Thank you for getting me into my dream home. I'm grateful for you. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Oh, I love this passage of scripture so much. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and went. I love obedience in the scripture. Many times you'll find that when God asks someone to do something in the Bible, there's very few verses in between. Usually it's take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground, and his sandals are off. It's cross to the other side of the Jordan. Get up and and move Jesus and Mary. Joseph and Joseph gets up immediately. Why? Because delayed obedience is disobedience, but obedience is always immediate. So he rose and went, verse 27, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. Uh, The scholars liken it to like a celebrity, someone that manages wealth, someone that had wealth because they were associated with wealth. And that's who Philip interacts with. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join his chariot. Again, when God speaks, we must respond. When God asks us to move, we must move. When God asks us to go and be in the chariot with the Ethiopian, we must do what God asks us to do. 
So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the Isaiah the, the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep was, he, has, he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before the shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this about himself or about someone else. Then Philip opened his mouth and began with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. And they were going along the road and came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. Turn to your neighbor and say, here is water. What prevents me? from being baptized. Why can't I be baptized is what some translations say. And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch. No one ever baptizes themselves. There's always two people in the tank. No one can baptize themselves because uh, biblical community is so imperative to following Jesus. That's why you'll never find someone just walk into the water themselves. But instead, someone was always there with them. That's why we own the domain name 2inthetank.com because no one ever baptizes themselves. Philip and the eunuch, he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Time travel. Amazing. Amazing. The gospel message was so urgent that as soon as someone received Christ and was baptized, Philip was sent on his another, on the next assignment. And Philip found himself in Azotus, and he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Father, we love your word. It is so important that we learn from it today how we should live and behave as believers. I'm grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Today we are going to take our cue from Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in a sermon that I've titled Five Behaviors of Every Believer. Five Behaviors of Every Believer. If you're taking notes today, you can write that at the top of your notes. Five Behaviors of Every Believer. I believe that from this passage, from this narrative, we can derive five behaviors that every believer should carry. Now, the sermon today is going to end outside in the baptismal tank. And so you're going to say, Pastor, that was a really short message today. It's because the message continues through action outside in the baptismal tank. And so come back next week. We'll preach 45 minutes. We'll preach an hour. But this week, the sermon continues outside. At both of our locations, you are about to witness the life-changing power of the gospel message, which is why Jesus came, died, was buried, and was resurrected. So what we celebrated last week gets put into practice through our own resurrection as we are buried with Christ and resurrected with him as 
well. And so there are five behaviors that I'm going to breeze through quickly that I've identified. The Lord showed me in this narrative. And as we prepare to for Pentecost, as we prepare in the spirit over the next 50 days, over the next several weeks, we are going to look at these behaviors as attributes that every believer needs. And the first one is this, is urgency. Urgency. Philip ran to that chariot. He didn't stroll. He didn't consider his schedule. He didn't think about all the other things that he had to do in life. At that moment, the gospel was so urgent, the persecution was so strong that he knew that every single life that he came in contact with mattered to God so greatly that he had to run. It wasn't like casual church attendance, and occasionally I'll let someone know that I'm a Christian. It was his entire life was, was built upon this urgency for the gospel. The good news had to be preached, and Philip ran. He ran. When's the last time you ran for God? When's the last time you ran for God? I, I've learned that it's easier to run from God much faster than run for God. The velocity at which you run from something is way greater than the velocity at which you run for something. Let me put this in practical perspective. When I go to the gym, I get to choose my, my pace on the treadmill. I could put it at a four. I could put it at an eight. I could put it at a 12. I could put it at a 15. But if I'm walking in my neighborhood and a dog is on the loose, I have no option. <laughs> the only speed is faster than whoever's with me. <laughs> you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun your buddy. Because <laughs> the bear's going to stop at the first bite. You know what I'm saying? I've learned that I don't have to be faster than the bear. I just have to be faster than my buddy. But you will always run faster from something than you will for something. And I want to encourage you today to instill in your own life a sense of gospel urgency again. A sense that when I wake up in the morning, I have purpose. When I wake up in the morning, I have zeal. I have fervency. I pray without ceasing. I know that every moment matters to God. And every person that I encounter, every person that I interact with, urgency is required for the believer. And our lives were put on pause over these past few years. And there was a lot less urgency for the gospel and a lot more urgency in other areas in our life. And I want to encourage you today to reinstill urgency for the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean you need to be busy. There's a difference between busy and urgent. Urgency is the burden I feel for the lost people around me. Busyness is me being occupied with things that don't matter for eternity. When I'm urgent and I'm around someone, I have this understanding that if I don't present to them the best version of Christianity, the, the, Jesus, the best version of Jesus that I can become, then maybe they'll never know who Jesus is. Urgency is not you being busy. Not like, I got you saved, I got you saved, I got you saved. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You can pace and pause and still be urgent for the sake of the gospel. Now, this is easy for me because my uh, spiritual gift is in evangelism. I lean towards preaching the gospel. I lean towards this urgent fire. Every morning when I wake up, I ask God that the smoke of hell 
would fill my nostrils anytime I'm around someone whose eternal destiny is not heaven so that I would understand the urgency. So that when they interact with me, they would have this sense that there is a pressing matter. And it's okay to journey with someone. It's okay to have conversations about faith. It's okay to take time while at the same time, no man knows the hour of his return. And if we do not know when the alarm clock will sound and Christ will return, then there has to be a gospel urgency. It was amazing to me. If you read the book of Acts, the level of urgency by which they lived, Philip ran for this chariot. He ran to, in order to be close to this person who he knew didn't understand what they were reading in the scripture. So may God instill in us an urgency this week to present the gospel to people. And if not present the gospel to people, to at least invite them to church where the gospel is presented. Like, may you not get so conditioned to attend church that you don't fall back in love with the God who saved you so that you can proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. If you are being baptized today at both of our locations, I want to urge you to, when you, when you celebrate this life change, to proclaim the gospel with urgency. The second attribute, the second behavior of every believer is diversity. Diversity. Ethiopians were not the same as Philip. This was someone who didn't look like him. This is someone who didn't even have uh, the same anatomy as we know that he is a, a eunuch as him. And it's important that you learn as a believer to interact with people that are not just in your circle. One of the beautiful things about our church is its diversity. It, 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 it's, it's an amazing thing to watch when walls come down, when divides come down, how the gospel can be presented to people who we might not otherwise have even had a conversation with previously. But when you uh, divorce yourself from ignorance and you sit down and you learn about other cultures and you have this opportunity to present the gospel in such a way where your life becomes diverse, it's, it's not enough for the church that you attend to be diverse. Your own life has to be diverse. And I'm not talking about all the white people that say, well, my barber's black. <laughs> my barber's white, actually. I'm not talking about that kind of diversity. My best friend's black. You know what I'm saying? My best friend is black. But uh, it, I'm, not talking about, I'm not talking about token diversity. I'm talking about real relationships. I'm talking about like the, the real understanding that I, I'm Philip. I've got a message. I've got a gospel to preach. You, you, you aren't like me, but we are all the same. Once we are baptized in Christ, we become a part of the family of God. So it's important that your life reflect diversity. Now there's diversity in, in race and in culture. It's not the same as affirmation of sins. So I'm not talking about diversity in the sense that you affirm everybody else's lifestyle. That is, well, I live a diverse life. Well, you can't hang out with all those people that you affirm their lifestyle that's of sin. I'm talking about you need to step over the divide that society has created and have a kingdom viewpoint for every single person that you interact with. And this goes both ways. This goes racially. This goes age one of the beautiful things about, about our church is that it's not just 
racially diverse. And it's not even just black, white. Hay unos hispanos aquí también, okay? Está, eh, aquí, aquí no es blanco o negro. Aquí también hay, hay algunos que son marrón, ¿sabes? Boricua. What I'm, what I'm saying is, is that there, there, there must be some uh, give and take. In the sense of age, I don't want to be known as just the young church. Hip and cool and foolish, really. Uh, I would like to glean from the wisdom of people who have gone before me and stand on the shoulders of those who have followed God for a lot longer than I've even been alive. There are people in this room today, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the deans who follow God and have been at this church for a long time. I stand on your shoulders. This is not a young, this is not just a young church. I, I don't want to be just a young church because most of the time, young churches lack wisdom. And most of the time, old churches lack passion. So you have older churches that lack passion, younger churches that lack wisdom, but our church has the wisdom of the ages with the passion of the young kids. Hey, that's really good. And what that does is it allows us to make decisions wisely while at the same time reaching people quickly. And it's really important that you also are diverse. If you looked around your circle of friends and if they all look like you, I would encourage you to take your cue from Philip and find someone that doesn't look like you and have a conversation with them in their chariot. Run after that. Like actually take some time and sit down and say, help me navigate through this challenging thing that I don't understand that seems to be something that is cultural for your uh, type of people. Like I don't understand uh, cafe con leche. It's not really my thing, right? But if you're Puerto Rican or from uh, Cuban, I mean, that's, that's everything, dude. Uh, I don't really understand horchata, right? I don't really understand that, but I'll come, I'll, I'll ask, where, where, what's, what's in that? Is it safe to eat, you know? I didn't really understand uh, my brothers and sisters who had family reunions where all their t-shirts matched. All my black friends, they had these family reunions. They were huge. I mean, f matching t-shirts. I didn't understand. I said, please help me understand. Help me understand uh, the fraternity culture, right? I, I lear I've learned. I, I know that I, I wouldn't pledge. I couldn't be a part, but I know now. I, I used to not know what HBCU stood for, but now I know that that stands for Historical Black College and University. So now, I under, now that I understand, I'm able to live a diverse lifestyle, which then reflects in a diverse church. And I'm not talking about token diversity. I could stay on this for a long time. I'm going to move quickly. But I'm not talking about putting the only brown person we have in the church on the stage or on the website. I'm talking about leadership. I'm talking about reflecting in everyday decision-making of every organization. And you could say a lot about our church. We are far from perfect, but there's one thing that we have learned. We have learned to be the kingdom of God in a very segregated culture. We have learned to remain unified and together because we've chosen diversity. We've chosen diversity. Uh, Philip was open to conversing with people who didn't look like him. The third thing is this. This is super important, is literacy. Biblical literacy is at an all-time low. And people are getting their theology from 15-second videos on TikTok. It's important more than ever. It's interesting that we have access, more access to the Bible than ever, yet lowest literacy rates when it comes to the Bible more than ever. 
So Philip, had he not known the scriptures, could not have conversed with the eunuch. It was his understanding of the scriptures that brought about the baptism of the Ethiopian. How much Bible do you know? How much apologetic do you know how to defend your faith using the word? It's important that that this word that I preach every single week, that it not be the only time that you interact with daily bread. This isn't weekly bread. It's give us this day our daily bread. And I'm not even just talking about the verse of the day on the Bible app. Oh, pastor, I read my Bible every day. No, you repost an Instagram post every day of a verse that you didn't even barely read, but it looked good, so you reposted it. I want you to be biblically literate in a, in a, in a culture that has no absolutes, in a culture that has no moral container, no firm foundation. We, the church, have a firm foundation. We have a blessed hope. We have the story of redemption in pages. You haven't heard from God in a long time. He's been speaking for thousands of years through this sacred book. And I would encourage you to increase your literacy because it's so important. I don't know where to start. Just start in the book of John. Three chapters. Start with audio. Consume it. Consume it. Joel and I, when I take him to school in the mornings, I take him to the bus stop. His bus stop is behind Mattress Firm. So every day I go to this sketchy Mattress Firm on Capitol Boulevard. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, we plug in my phone and we press play through the book of John. Why? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. It is so important that the word of God becomes your foundational resource for reaching people. We're, we're not just a cute church. It's not just slick lights and cool graphics. I want to be founded on doctrine, sound doctrine. And that can only come from biblical literacy. You'll never know if I'm preaching heresy if you don't have good literacy. You don't know if you're being led astray lest you read the word on your own. Uh, You have to put this up against your own reading of the scriptures. It's astonishing how spiritually malnourished we can be amid such an abundance of biblical availability. For most of God's people throughout history, hearing God's word was the only way. Now we have access to it in all forms. We have Bibles on our phones and Bibles on our shelves, dozens of different translations. Are we any better for it? Has our knowledge and commitment to reading the Bible kept pace with its increased availability? Biblical literacy is so important. The the fourth thing is this is community. You need community. And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. When's the last time you invited someone to sit next to you? When's the last time you said, hey, let's just have a conversation? This, my friends, is not just in the context of a life group. This isn't just I go to a small group. This is like a lifestyle. This is like when I'm sitting by myself and I see someone else sitting by themselves, it's inviting them in to dinner at my house. 
It's inviting them in to have conversation. It's, it's saying, I don't understand everything about what I'm reading, so you are invited into my chariot so that you can teach me what the scriptures are saying. This isn't just community. It's also accountability. It's a lifestyle. And I would encourage you, all of you, at, the, at both of our locations and at the sound of my voice today, I want you to be in community where you can converse about the mysterious things of God. One of the questions you can ask is, what's God doing in your life lately? One of the questions you can ask a brother or a sister is, how's your thought life? Instead of the weather or the score or the latest trend or whatever political hot topic has been rammed down our throats, you can go deeper in community, but it takes conversation. It takes time. It takes moments. It takes community. This Ethiopian understood the power of proximity to Philip. He didn't keep Philip at a distance. He said, come into the chariot and, and ride with me as we discover what God says. I love this church because we do offer life groups. We do offer long, extended times in the lobby before and after both of our experiences. I love this church because we are not afraid to interact with one another. This is not transactional. This is relational. You don't just come in and leave. You're not just a giving unit to us. This is community. That's why I love this church. People tell me all the time, man, I just felt so welcomed. I felt so welcomed here. What is that? That's us inviting people into proximity, into community. Don't just run alongside my chariot, but come, come in, get inside here. Let's ride together. Let's learn how to do life together. And when you do that, you will discover more about yourself and more about God and more about each other than you ever thought possible. Here's what I know. Your commitment to this church is really not contingent on how good the music is or how good the preaching is or how good the kids' ministry is. Your commitment to the local church is contingent on whether or not you have four or seven good friends in the context of community. The people that stay here the longest are the ones that make friends the fastest. So I would encourage you, don't just leave, linger. Don't just rush out today at both of our locations. Take some time, introduce yourself. Invite someone to lunch today. If you see someone sitting by themselves on a Sunday, invite them to sit next to you. It's one of the, the easiest free ways that you can create community is by inviting someone into your chariot. And then the last thing as John comes and plays is expectancy. This Ethiopian said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He's like, I'm not going to let another moment pass by that I don't take action from the good news that I just heard. He was expecting an action associated with the gospel that he had just heard. When you come to church, there needs to be expectancy in your spirit. 
What you feel when you walk in here and people are clapping and people are standing, what you feel at our apex location when you go and it's buzzing in the lobby and the world calls it vibes, what we call that is expectancy. Our spirit is saying, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Look, there's something I can do. Why can't I come into the presence of the Lord? Enter into his courts with thanksgiving into his gates with praise. Meaning that this Sunday, Sunday should be the result, not the launching place. It should be the the credits of a great week, not the opener. (laughs) When you come in with expectation, you don't even need to wait for the music to be good. When you come in with expectation, you don't even wait for them to sing your best song or for the sound to be good or for the lights to work or for this, the, the, the words to be on the screen. When you come in with expectations, you're just joyful. And I sense it in the presence of God today in this church. There is a high level of expectation. And I want to let you know, I cherish that because it encourages my faith. It encourages the faith of those around you. When, when, when Paul and Silas were in jail, they begin to worship the Lord. Their expectancy broke chains. Not just their chains, but the chains of the other people in jail. We don't even know if the other prisoners were even believers. We don't even know what their crimes were. We don't even know if they deserved to be there. What we do know is that praise is contagious and expectancy is contagious. So I will sing unto the Lord. I'm going to shout unto God. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to be a person of praise because praise is what I do. Praise is what I do because it's a sense of expectancy in the house. Here's what I know. There's water close by. There's water close by today. Wherever you are today, we're we're in the chariot together. You have arrived at a chariot that believes. (laughs) We believe. We believe fully all of those things. We believe in those urgency, the urgency of the gospel. We believe in diversity. That's why you're here and you might not look like me, but we believe in it. We believe in community. We believe in literacy, which is the Bible. And we believe in expectancy. So today, at the sound of my voice, at both of our locations, with every head bowed and every eye closed, here's what I want to do. I want to give you a chance to be baptized. You say, Pastor Micah, what does it require? It doesn't require much. There was no 16-week class in the Bible. This Ethiopian did not go to a class He was simply in his chariot. He was simply in his chariot. And as he was in his chariot, he had an overwhelming sense of expectancy. So today at both of our locations, you say, I I knew it when I walked in. I felt it when I walked in. There was this sense of expectancy when I walked in. I feel the urgency of the gospel. I need to know the Lord, and I need to take my next step through water baptism. Now, here's what's about to happen. The devil is going to try to convince you that you'll wait for the next time. If that's you right now, and somebody, and, and it's being whispered in your head, wait for the next time. You're not ready. You, 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 do you know what you did last night? Do you know what you did this week? Do you know what kind of mess you're in? And I want to encourage you today that the water is here and to do what this man did and to say, why can't I be baptized? A why not level of expectancy today.
You say, Pastor Mike, that's me. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy at both of our locations. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. That's me. I need to be baptized. We came ready. We have towels. We got shorts. We got shirts. We are ready for you to be baptized. Here's what I want you to do. It takes a bold, it takes a bold move to be water baptized. It's not a, a private decision. This is going public with your faith. So today at both of our locations, here's what I want you to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to make it private at first, and then we're going to go public today after our experience. So if you'd like to be water baptized, I'm going to count to three in just a moment, and I want you to raise your hand. This is today's your day. You knew it when you walked in. I'm just helping you. The Lord is leading you and guiding you. The Holy Spirit is convincing you. This is your time. If you've already been water baptized, you don't need to be water baptized again. But if you have never been water baptized or you were sprinkled as a child and it wasn't your decision, if you are ready to make this decision for yourself, you've either never been baptized or you've never made the decision to be baptized for yourself, today is your day. Today is your day. Now is the moment. The water is here. It's warm. We got shorts. We got towels. We got shirts. We are ready with expectancy for God to move in your life today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to count to three right now. One, you say, I need to be, I need to be baptized today. Two, you say, Pastor Mike, this is me. I need this community. I need this expectancy. I needed this. I needed this church today. I needed to be, to, I needed to see the water out front in order to tell me for the Lord to lead me to make this decision. God is leading you right now right now. Three. Just raise your hand right now. Three. That's you. You say, I need to be water baptized today. I need to be water baptized today. Don't be embarrassed. I see it. I see it. Anyone else? Just shoot it up high so that I can see it. At both of our locations, just raise your hand high. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for you. Thank God for you. Thank God. Thank God for those that are going to be baptized today. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray at both of our locations. Just repeat after me. A prayer that solidifies the decision we are making today. And once we say amen, we are going to stand to our feet and we are going to cheer. And as we stand to our feet, here's what I want you to do. Listen clearly. You need to make your way to the baptism banner in the back of the auditorium so that we can get your t-shirt size, so that we can get your towel, and so that you can be prepared for right after today's service. So we're going to stand. When we say amen, everyone's going to stand. And you are going to make your way to the baptism banner. Don't just raise your hand. I want you to publicly profess Jesus Christ is our Lord. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you because today I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen at all of our locations. Let's stand to our feet and let's clap our hands and let's thank God. If you raise your hand, you need to make your way to the banner right now. Come on, just lift your hands in praise. Thank God for his goodness. Thanks again for joining us. And thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at My Focus Church. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.